started i want to give a huge shout out and a huge pat on the back and a big big hug to my producer kaylee who because of things in her past and things that i won't get into she just recently lost her father her or as she calls it the guy the guy who led to her conception she refuses to use the word father because she refuses to acknowledge that she has a father or that she had a, a mother. Now, she has a mother. She has someone now who she can call a mother, a woman who adopted her. But, long story short, very, very long story short, um, Kaylee just recently lost her father. The, from what I'm able to say and what I, what I know, the, his housemate found him on the back deck holding an antique revolver. That's all the information I know. Um, she no longer has um, any parents, that any birth parents that are alive. Um, she lost her mother, her birth mother, a while ago. Now, like I said, she refuses to call either of them her parents. Um, the The story was because they disowned her a while back when she came out. And she sought emancipation from them and distanced herself from them. And she is completely and totally separate from them. Nothing, she has no connection to them at all. Now, you can say what you want and think about what you want and have that occur to you however you want and she's recovered in the best way possible and she's handling it far better than anyone could have ever given her credit for but she the the woman who is now her mother actually adopted her and this woman Sophie was married to her father her birth father and she, Sophie, divorced her birth father and annulled her birth father because she found out how he treated her. And she refused to acknowledge that. Sophie did. And she refused to be any part of that. So <clears throat> she completely separated from, her, from him. And she basically adopted Kaylee. And she claimed her, she's claiming her as Kaylee is her own. And Kaylee refers to her as mom. And she and Sophie refers to Kaylee as her daughter. And that's just amazing. But I wanted to, sh to give that to open up the episode with that. Because 
the songs that you heard in the beginning, the Pink's "What About Us," was songs that Kaylee, a song that Kaylee takes to heart. She's wondered her whole life, "What about me? What about, what about me?" Stuff like that. And I just wanted to include that in here for her. So that that's for her. But this actual episode was actually just inspired by our good friends and our really, really dear and good friends of this podcast, Matt and Kimbra. And they, since they're going on a cruise in, I think, a day or two, and it's on the Mardi Gras, the Carnival Mardi Gras, they have inspired a story and a history of Mardi Gras to which Matt touched a little bit on. But I've done some research and they started doing research long before I, before I could. And this is what they sent me. And this is actually from New Orleans websites and from other websites I've been able to dig up and they've been able to dig up. And it's very, very, very interesting. So the origins of Mardi Gras can be traced back to medieval Europe. Passing through Rome and Venice in the 17th in 18th centuries to the French houses of the Bourbons. From here, the traditional reverie of Beauf Gras, or fatted, fatted Calf, followed France to her colonies. B-O-E-U-F, Beauf Gras. On March 2nd, 1699, French-Canadian explorer Jean-Baptiste Lemoyne sur Le Bienville arrived at a plot of ground 60 miles directly south of New Orleans and named it Pont named it Pont du Mardi Gras when his men realized it was the eye of a festival holiday Bienville also established Fort Louis de Louisiane which is now Mobile in 1702 in 1703 the tiny settlement of Fort Louis de la Mobile celebrated America's very first Mardi Gras. In 1704, Mobile established a secret society, Masque de la Mobile, similar to those that form our current Mardi Gras cruise. It lasted until 1709. In 1710, the Boeuf Gras Society was formed and paraded from 1711 through 1861. The procession was held with a with a, with a huge bull's head, pushed along wheel pushed along wheels by sixteen men. Later, Rex would parade parade with an actual bull draped in white and signaling the coming Lentmen meat feast. This occurred on what Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. New Orleans was established in 1718 by Bienville. In the 1730s, Mardi Gras was celebrated openly in New Orleans, but not with the parades we know today. In, early in the early 1740s, Louisiana's governor, the Marquis de, the Marquis de Vaudreuil, V-A-U-D-R-E-U-I-L, sorry, I'm going to butcher that, <laughs> established elegant society balls, which became the model for the New Orleans Mardi Gras balls of today. The earliest reference to, the, to Mardi Gras carnivals appears in a 1781 report to the Spanish colonial governing body. That year, the Perseverance Benevolent and Mutual Aid Association was the first of, hundred, of hundreds of clubs and carnival organizations 
formed in New Orleans. By the late 1830s, New Orleans held street processions of maskers with carriages and horseback riders to celebrate Mardi Gras, dazzling gaslight torches, or flambeau, lit the way for the crews, members, and lent each event an exciting air of romance and festivity. In 1856, six young Mobile natives formed the mystic crew of, Com of Camas, invoking John Milton's hero Camas to represent their organization. Camas brought magic and mystery to New Orleans with dazzling floats, known as tableau cars, and masked balls. Crew members remained anonymous. When I say crew, I mean K-R-E-W-E, -E, not C-R-E-W. By the late 1830s, New Orleans held, sev held several street processions of maskers with carriages and horseback rides to celebrate Mardi Gras. Dazzling gaslight torches, or flambeau, lit the way for the crew's members and lent each event an exciting air of romance and festivity. In 1856, six young Mobile natives formed the mystic crew of Kamas invoking... I just reread that sentence, sorry. My, my notes and my eyes just jumped up the page and then back down. Sorry. Sorry about everyone for... Sorry, everyone, for rehearing that over and over and over again. In 1870, Mardi Gras second crew, the Twelfth Night Revelers, was formed. This is also the first rec recorded account of Mardi Gras throws. Newspapers began to announce Mardi Gras events in advance, and they even printed carnival edition lithographs of parades' fantastic float designs. After, of course, they rolled, themes and floats were always carefully guarded before the procession. At first, these reproductions were small, and the details could not clearly be seen. But beginning in 1886, with Proteus, with Proteus Parade of Visions of Other Worlds, these, these chromolithographs could be produced in full, saturated color, doing justice to the float and costume designs of, Carl, of Carlotta Bonacase, Charles Britton, and B.A. Wilkstrom. Each of these designers' work was brought to life by the talented Parisian papier-mâché artist Georges Sully, who, for 40 years, was responsible for creating all of the carnival's floats and processional outfits. 1872 was the year that a group of businessmen invented, king, invented a king of carnival, Rex, to preside over the first daytime parade. To honor the visiting Russian Grand Duke Alexis Romanov, whoa, not probably not related, I would very highly doubt related in any way, but I see that name, Russian Grand Duke, and then the last name, and I think, hmm, the Russian Grand Duke Alexis Romanov. The businessman introduced Romanov's family colors of purple, green, and gold as Carnival's official colors as the carnival's official colors. Purple stands for justice, gold for power, and green for faith. This was also the Mardi Gras season that the carnival's improbable anthem, If I Ever Cease to Love, was cemented 
due in part to the Duke's fondness for the tune. The following year, floats, bega floats began to be constructed entirely in New Orleans instead of in France, culminating with Comus, with Comus's magnificent The Missing Links to Darwin's Origin of Species, in which exotic papier-mâché animal costumes served as the basis for Comus to mock both Darwin's theory and local officials, including Governor Henry Warmoth. In 1875, Governor Warmoth signed the Mardi Gras Act, making Fat Tuesday a legal holiday in Louisiana, which, to this day, it still is. Like Comus and the Twelfth Night Revelers, most Mardi Gras crews today developed from private social clubs with restrictive membership policies. Since all of these parade organizations are completely funded by their members, New Orleans Nor New Orleanians call it the greatest free show on earth. A lot has been thought about what happened to New Orleans history and what with obviously I you know I'm going to get into it Katrina. What did Katrina do to New Orleans history? And it seems much like much like happened to me when I was in Vegas for when I was in Vegas I survived the shooting. That didn't slow Vegas down, and Katrina didn't slow New Orleans or Mardi Gras down at all. But people have asked the question, did it affect, how did it affect Mardi Gras, and what, what was that in any way like? And I've had to go back to, to several, several other sources, like history, to see a little bit more, and I have highlighted notes here of the history article that my producers found. And it's interesting. Like Matt had said earlier on his, on his podcast, Mardi Gras is a Christian holiday and, popular cultural, and a popular cultural phenomenon that dates back thousands of years to pagan spring and fertility rites, also known as Carnival or Carnival or, or Carnival. It is celebrated in many countries around the world. Mainly those were large Roman Catholic populations on the day before the religious season of Lent begins. Brazil, Venice, and New Orleans play host to some of the holiday's most famous public festivities, drawing thousands of tourists and revelers each year. Now, maybe you can answer this question, or maybe there's no way for me to possibly know this, but how did all this history devolve into beads being thrown and women lifting their shirt up? I don't, I don't get how that connection is made, <laughs> and maybe it'll answer further, farther down in the research as I come across it, and maybe you guys know. Please fill me in if you do. I just don't get how the connection is made. Mardi Gras is traditionally celebrated on Fat Tuesday, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, and the start of Lent. In many areas, however, Mardi Gras has evoked, evolved into a week-long festival. Mardi Gras 2021 will fall on Tuesday, February 16th. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, par parades in New Orleans have been canceled. Mardi Gras is a, is, a, is a tradition that dates back to thousands of years. When Christianity arrived in Rome, religious leaders decided to incorporate these popular local traditions into the new faith. 
an easier task than abolishing them altogether. As a result, the excesses and debauchery of the Mardi Gras season became a prelude to Lent, the 40 days of fasting and penance between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. Along with Christianity, Mardi Gras spread from Europe to from spread from Europe. Along with Christian, let me reread that again because my tongue just got tongue-tied and my mind was on a was on, was three steps ahead of my tongue. Along with Christianity, Mardi Gras spread from Rome to other European countries, including France, Germany, Spain, and England. Mardi, M A R D I, Mardi is. And my page just went dark. Mardi is the French word for Tuesday. And gras means fat. In France, the day before Ash Wednesday came to, came to be known as, the, as Fat Tuesday, or Mardi Gras. Traditionally, in the days leading up to Lent, merrymakers would, would, would binge on all the rich, fatty foods. Meat, eggs milk, lard, and cheese that remained in their homes in anticipation, anticipation of several weeks of eating only fish and different types of fasting. The word carnival, another common name for the pre-Lenten festivities, also derives from this fat feasting tradition. In medieval Latin, carnalevarum means to take away or remove from the, from the Latin carnem, for meat. The first American Mardi Gras took place on March 3, 1699, when French explorers Pierre Lemoyne d'Iberville and Sierre de Bienville landed near present-day New Orleans. They held a small celebration and dubbed their landing spot Point du Mardi Gras. In the decades that followed, New Orleans and other French settlements began marking the holiday with their street parties, masked balls, and lavish dinners. When the Spanish took control of New Orleans, however, they abolished these rowdy rituals, and the bans remained in force until Louisiana became a U.S. state in 1812. On Mardi Gras in 1827, a group of students donned colorful costumes and danced through the streets of New Orleans, emulating the revelry they'd observed while visiting Paris. Ten years later, the first recorded New Orleans Mardi Gras parade took place, a tradition that has continued to this very day. In 1857, a secret society of New Orleans, New Orleans businessmen called the Mystic Crew of Commas organized a torch-lit Mardi Gras procession with marching bands and rolling floats setting the tune for future events to come, and celebrations as well. Since then, crews have remained a fixture, K-R, again, K-R-E-W-E-S, have remained a fixture of the carnival scene throughout Louisiana. Other lasting customs include throwing beads and other trinkets, wearing masks, decorating floats, and eating what's been called king cake. Louisiana is the only state in which Mardi Gras is a legal holiday. However, elaborate carnival festivals draw crowds in other parts of the U.S. during Mardi Gras season as well, 
including Alabama and Mississippi. And here's the little bit about the ship. It even has adapted into its name being used for a major shipping company. As Matt and Kimber know, it's the name of Carnival's cruise ship that they're about to go on. There's a lot. Across the globe, pre-Lenten festivals come to take place in many co- continue to take place in many countries with significant Roman Catholic populations. Brazil's week-long carnival festivals feature a vibrant amalgam of European, African, and Native traditions. In Canada, Quebec City hosts the gigantic Quebec Winter Carnival. In Italy, tourists flock to Venice's Carnival, which dates back to the 13th century and is famous for its masquerade balls. Known as Carnival, K-A-R-N-E-V-A-L, Fastnacht, or Fasching, the German celebration includes parades, costume balls, and a tradition that empowers women to cut off men's ties. For Denmark, Festivan, Festivalen, children dress up and gather candy in similar manner to Halloween, although the parallel ends when they ritually flog their parents on Easter Sunday morning. Yeah, it's a good thing the tradition ends there, because if they did that over here, there'd be a whole serious level of kind, another kind of uproar, a whole different kind of outrage, kind of coming coming across the wire. You'd hear about a whole lot of things. And what kind of joy is there to just to see vlogs and history and just see stories of what goes down on Mardi Gras, what Mardi Gras is like. And Mardi Gras, and like, you've, like you've heard, and Carnival are the same celebration. Though Mardi Gras technically refers to Fat Tuesday, the Mardi Gras season actually begins on Epiphany, a Christian holiday celebrated in January 6th that is otherwise known as Three Kings Day. Or the twelfth day of, or the twelfth day of Christmas, in Brazil, and many other countries, this period between Epiphany and Fat Tuesday is known as Carnival. With whichever name you prefer to use, the revelries of Mardi Gras last until midnight tonight, on that night, when Ash Wednesday ushers in forty days of Lent. A popular history, popular theory actually holds that Mardi Gras' origins lie in ancient pagan celebrations of spring and fertility, such as Saturnalia and Lupercalia. Some experts contend, however, that Mardi Gras-type festivities popped up solely as a result of the Catholic Church's discouragement of sex and meat during Lent. Church reformers may have helped to propagate the then pagan rumors, these experts say, in the hope of dissuading pre-Lenten hedonism. Mardi Gras is believed to have arrived in North America on March 3, 1699, when the French when the French Canadian explorers camped about 60 miles downriver from the future site of New, future site of New Orleans. 
To this day, Mobile in Alabama claims to have old, have the oldest annual Mardi Gras celebration in the U.S. Mardi Gras got going in New Orleans soon after the city's founding in 1718. The Spanish, who ruled the Big Easy from 1762 to 1800, apparently cracked down on certain Mardi Gras rituals, though documentation from that period is scarce, so no one can really prove it. U.S. authorities did much the same after taking control in 1803, banning both masked balls and public disguises. Nonetheless, they eventually accepted the festival's existence. The first recorded Mardi Gras street parades in New Orleans took place in 1837, by which time the city had transformed from a small backwater into a major, thriving metropolis. Now, say what you want about your allegiance to different areas and your support of different teams, but it also became home to my team, the New Orleans Saints. But, being a guy who totally loves who totally loves Drew Brees, my team is the Saints. So, this it, it, gets, it gets interesting, especially since I live in the city of the Seahawks. But 26 years later, six men organized a, a secret society called the Mystic Crew of Camos, Camas, by holding a parade with the theme, with the theme of the demon actors in Milton's parade, Paradise Lost, along with a lavish grand ball. Camas reversed the, the, the reverse and declining popularity of the Mardi Gras, and helped establish New Orleans as its clear as its clear epicenter in the U.S. This year, more than one million visitors are accepted, are expected, well, accepted, they're accepted openly and freely without thought. They're expected to attend. In 1872, the crew, the crew of Rex and the Knights of Mamas began paying for parades and balls of their own. They were followed a decade later by the crew of, Pop, of Proteus. Since these early societies were exclusively male and white, women and African Americans formed their own groups, such as, as, as Les Mysterious and the Zulu, Society, Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club. Dozens of crews of all types have proliferated since then including the, the science fiction-themed intergalactic crew, really, I just saw this name, the intergalactic, the, in the science fiction-themed intergalactic crew, really, anyone who sees this name is going to go say, gonna, gonna go, really, that's real, they, they named it that and expected them to be taken seriously. So their full name, is the intergalactic crew of Chewbacca. Really. The intergalactic crew of Chewbacca. <laughs> that Chewbacca. It's just yes, I know I can I can do <laughs> and like the story you do. Hopefully you do well. I can do them both, so <laughs> and you're going, oh my god, did he just impersonate Yoda and Chewbacca? Yes I did. Feel free to laugh and roll your eyes at me. I'm doing it right now. The The intergalactic crew of Chewbacca, their name is a hybrid of the Star Wars character and the Roman god of wine. 
huh? The Roman god of wine. Despite being less than three years old, this crew convinced Peter Mayhew, the actor who played Chewbacca in the movies, to ride in its parade atop a Millennium Falcon float and alongside a mascot called, called Bar-2D2. This, the things that they'll come up with. Racial exclusion has not been limited to the distant past. In 1992, after a, a, after an acrimonious debate, the New Orleans City the New Orleans City Council passed an ordinance that prohibited crews from discriminating on the basis of race, religion, sexual orientation, or national origin. Rex pledged to immediately interrogate, but Camus, Mamas, and Proteus chose to stop parading rather than open up their ranks to African Americans. Thomas has not yet returned to the streets. Mamas spun off, spun off into the Knights of Chaos, and Proteus came back in 2000 after signing a non-discrimination pledge. Since Thomas ushered in the modern era of Mardi Gras in 1857, the New Orleans festivities have been canceled about a dozen times. Most of these cancellations came during the Civil War, World War One, and World War Two. Though revelers also stayed home during an 1870s yellow fever outbreak. The last time it was called off completely was in 1945. A scaled down version even took place in 2006, just months after what I just said, Hurricane Katrina flooded the Gulf, Cor Gulf Coast and killed over 1,800 people. Now, the Super Bowl. And this is what's funny. New Orleans hosted both the Super Bowl and Mardi Gras in February of 2013, a potentially overwhelming combination that some called Super Gras. In an effort at crowd control, the city expanded its 12-day parade season so that no one would be marching on February 3rd when the 49ers battled the Baltimore Ravens. January 28th to 31st and February 4th to 5th Likewise, were kept free of parades. In a similar attempt at preventing mayhem, official parades have been banned from the narrow, tourist-filled streets of the city's French Quarter since the 1970s. Now, here's the interesting thing about king cake. Available only during the Mardi Gras season, king cake is typically made with brioche dough, braided and laced with cinnamon, the dough is then glazed with purple, green, or gold sugar, or covered in icing in those same Mardi Gras colors. What really sets the king cake apart from other desserts, however, is a small plastic baby hidden inside. Whoever finds the baby in his or her slice must buy the next cake, or perhaps host the next party. There is a lot of very, very interesting information information on Mardi Gras, and a lot. It's just very cool how far this goes back, and really awesome. And thank you all so much for sticking around here with me. Hang on until the end. Stick around for a little bit more on the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? 
true, true friends of this podcast, check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the greatest storytelling podcast out there? Want to ride to Hogwarts with Hagrid? Check out Common Room Talk on all the major podcast platforms. Tony tells you a story that will pull you in. You will be impressed and you will love it all the time. Want to go to the coolest place in Las Vegas? Stay at the best hotel casino where you're treated like family, friends, and you feel like you belong. It's very comfortable. And you even get to meet the CEO who greets everyone. Go to the plaza. Stay at the plaza. Take my advice. You'll love it there.